Welcome to the Show Up Podcast with me, your host, Natalie Norton. This podcast is all about having the courage to be a really good human and living the kind of life that genuinely fires you up every single day. Are you ready to become your best self and truly show up for your life, come what may? Me too. Let's do this thing. I know you, you understand me, babe. Girl, you're my best friend. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode six of Show Up with Natalie Norton. And you guys, I have to say that this is actually the first episode that I have recorded in my home office. And it is really, really great. However, there's a lot of noise. And I'm really sorry. I'm doing my best to manage it. I thought I had really, really well soundproofed this room. But right now, as I am recording this introduction, I can hear my husband upstairs. He's also recording um, a webinar for a bunch of his clients. And I, I don't know if you can hear him. And if you can, I apologize. Um, little by little, as we move forward, we'll iron out all these kinks and everything will just be seamless and fantastic moving forward, I am certain. But for right now, thank you for um, being patient with our growing pains. And more than that, guys, thank you so much for rallying around this project, around this podcast, and for your passion and your enthusiasm. And um, I am just so thankful. You guys are amazing. I love that you're loving this. I'm loving this too, and I'm loving every single one of you. And I am so excited about today's episode. Today's episode is an interview with one of my very, very dearest friends, Dr. Samantha Brody, who also happens to be a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist in Portland, Oregon. Um, she also has a virtual arm of that business, and she does coaching and consulting with clients all over the world, myself included. Um, you may have also read one of her quotes in one of these news media outlets, the Los Angeles Times, the Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post, Shape Magazine. She is most recently the author of a phenomenal book, and I'm not just saying this because she's my friend, it is a phenomenal book called Overcoming Overwhelm. Dismantle your stress from the inside out, which you can find at Amazon and in bookstores across the nation right now. Now, without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Samantha Brody, episode six of the podcast entitled Overcoming Overwhelm. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to introduce to you my dear friend, Dr. Samantha Brody. Dr. Samantha, hello. Thank you for being with us. I'm so happy to be here, Natalie. I've been waiting for this for weeks. I really have too. I, You guys, I got to know Dr. Samantha and we both spoke at an event together in Mexico um, quite a few years ago and we just felt really drawn to each other and um, I've really leaned on her a lot over the years um, with my own healthcare. Um, what is the specific title for our virtual work we do together? So in my brick and mortar in Portland, I'm a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist, but online I can't diagnose and treat. So I can't be someone's doctor online. So what I do is educational consulting or educational coaching or you know virtual consulting and any of those terms work. Okay. Okay. Well, I will tell each and every one of you that 
once I started working with Samantha, I just really hit a turning point in my own recovery from basically from absolute burnout. Um, and it, it, I'd gone to so many doctors and I had worked with so many different types of healers and physicians. Um, I'd done acupuncture locally. I had done, um, I'd really explored every single option. And this was in the period of time after our adoption had failed and I had suffered from my TIA, transient ischemic attack, which is just like a mini stroke. And it wasn't until I started doing that work with Samantha that I really, really started to turn a corner. And um, it was just phenomenal and really a miracle, honestly. So I just need to articulate that first of all, because I'm so, so thankful for um for all of that support that you gave during that period of time. So my pleasure. Oh, you're the best. Well, here is the exciting thing that we have to talk about here today. Dr. Samantha has just completed her first full-length book, and it is now available for purchase. And I've been watching her throughout this entire process. I've been, we've, we've been back and forth a little bit, and I'm so excited about the content of this book because I know how much every single one of us needs this information. The book is called Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. I mean, seriously, let that sink in for a minute. Overcoming Overwhelm. How many of you, even just in hearing the title, feel this like this tightness sort of release, right? So let's move into some questions here for Dr. Samantha. First of all, let's start at the very beginning. How would you define overwhelm? And specifically, what's the difference between stress and overwhelm? The first thing I'll start with is that I wrote this book in order to take what I do with my patients and my clients and bring it to more people. What I found over the years is that this you know, individualized work where we were kind of digging into what each person needed that's different than everyone else. I, I kept thinking there has to be a way for me to systematize it. And I ended up putting it into this book as a kind of four-step process that people can go through. And one of the things that's different about this book and about my approach is that I think about overwhelm and stress differently than most people and certainly most doctors. And honestly, if I can interject for just a second sure. there, that was what was the very most appealing to me when I heard you present in Mexico and during subsequent conversations at dinner and, and other opportunities that we had to connect over the course of that conference. It was the first time I'd ever had a physician make those specific kind of differentiations and it was the first time I'd heard a physician truly take an intimately personal approach. The kinds of questions that you asked me, I had never been asked by a physician before. And yet you saw those things as being completely relevant to me getting well. And those were the things that, that no one had ever touched on, but they were what I really, really needed to uncover and to unload. Right. Always. And ultimately, that's what makes you know, what I do different is looking at the whole person. So it's not just about the symptom that you're having or how your overwhelm or stress is manifesting. So let me, let's talk about now, let me just touch on the overwhelm stress thing and yes. then actually relate yeah. it directly to what we talked about, which is that yeah. I think about stress, stresses are all anything that impacts you that causes a burden on your system. And those aren't necessarily all bad things, right? It's a burden on your system to have to launch a new podcast. It's a burden on your system to go for a 10 mile run. It's a burden on your system to, you know, 
eat a box of ding dongs or to <laughs> use, you know, to use uh, bleach and breathe it in in your shower, you know, whatever those things are, we have this accumulation of many different kinds of stresses. And it's when the when you have more stress and more stresses than your body can handle and your mind can handle and your spirit can handle that then will lead to this sense of overwhelm. And so I think about overwhelm as being not just this, you know, typical feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. I mean, who hasn't had that feeling? But even more than that, what is the manifestation of overwhelm for you? And so for right. one person, it might be this literal feeling of overwhelm. For someone else, it may be anxiety. For someone else, it may be headaches or um, dizziness or the uh, hormonal imbalance, whatever that is, whatever well, your- for me, I'm going to interject with this yeah. because I think a lot, lot, lot of my listeners experience this. For me, it was a lot of confusion. I felt like I just, my, I had this brain fog all the time. I always felt like I was letting people down. I The term that I started to use to describe myself was I'm flaky. And I'd never felt like I was flaky before. And it was you saying to me, sweetie, you're not flaky. You are overwhelmed. This is, this is how your overwhelm is manifesting itself in your life. And it was it like was earth shattering for me. It changed everything. Just that shift in my mentality surrounding that was was right. really, really amazing. Right. And, and it's not, again, we often people think about overwhelm as being too many things on your plate or too many things on your to-do list. But, you know, I know you've talked about this publicly, so I assume I have a free oh, brain. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, you and I, yeah. No, so one of the big things that was causing great. you overwhelm was a severe intolerance to gluten. And oh, yeah. that when, you know, no matter if that is something that is causing your body a significant amount of overwhelm, you don't have room for the other things that may come up. And, you know, of course, there are always going to be big things that come up that you're never going to have room for, right? And you've been through mm -hmm. a number of those things in the last few years. And so in those moments, of course, you're going to feel stressed and overwhelmed. That's normal. But when we're in a constant state of having so much accumulation of stress, because we're not we don't have the tools or the tactical ability to look at what we do have control over and what we don't have control over. And so that's kind of the, you know, the nidus of what we do is to look at, you know, to look at what our stresses are and then to make decisions about what we want to do about them based on what's most important to us and what our values are. Yes, yes, yes. And what you're saying here about values is the other thing that I think really sets you apart, and this is what really blessed my life, um, was the idea that each of us, our self-care regimen, the way that we interact with the world, the way that we manage our overwhelm, all of that is value-based, right? And that's why your message resonates with me so completely, because that's my message always. Like, right. define your values, and your best life may look completely different than somebody else's. But as long as you're following your values, then you're on the right path. If you could talk for a minute about, do you remember the bucket theory or the bucket thing that you talked about in Mexico? I would love for you to yeah, share that with me. That's listeners. actually one of the big pieces in the book. So in the first, um, let me actually go through what the four steps in the book are. We yeah, can oh, yeah, kind of lay that foundation, then we can yeah. jump from there. So the first step is actually literally identifying your core values. I think a lot of us tend to say, oh, well, I know what my values are. But then when we actually go through the exercises to identify what they are, they're different than what we expected. 
And not all of them, you know, you're going to yeah. have a value or two that's going to be static. But first of all, sometimes they, you know, they, you just said they vary from person to person. They also can vary from season to season, oh, you know, depending absolutely. on what's going on with you and in your life. So, you know, the first step is not, is looking at your, what I call your true north, which is what your core mm-hmm. values are, what's most important to you. And we actually literally go through an exercise to do that. I'm going to offer that in the show notes to your listeners. Oh, I love that. Awesome. And then um, they actually, in one of the episodes earlier this year, there was an ex- an exercise on values and on oh, identifying great. your values. And what you're saying as it relates to, I, I'm going to steal from Oprah for a second, but those like aha values where you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. First of all, I didn't even know that this was what I valued. Or second of all, I've been living as though I value this X, Y, Z, and I actually don't. Right. When I actually look at it on paper, right? And so, so, no, please share that exercise because I think any opportunity we have to dive deeper into that space is helpful. For sure. And then the second piece along with that is looking at not just your values, but how you want to feel both physically and emotionally. So, you know, you can have a value that what's important to you is giving back to your community. But if you are exhausted or if you are having chronic migraines or, you know, severe hormonal imbalances that mean you're kind of like out a couple, you know, two weeks out of every month. You can't, it's much harder to be able to live your values because you don't have the bandwidth to be able to do what's most important. So the first step is getting clear about your values and how you want to feel in your body and how you want to feel emotionally. And then the second step is looking at, you know, laying your foundation. How do I make change best? Some people make change best all at once or some people slowly. And sometimes one thing needs to be all at once and another thing can be slowly, right? So it's looking at that and then who do we have to support us? How, what, what are our roadblocks? What things get in our way? Are we too perfectionistic? Are we afraid of discomfort? You know, we can talk more about that later if you want. Um, and then the third step is the bucket. So what, yes. what, here's the bucket. Ready for the bucket? I am so ready for the bucket. <laughs> so the you idea guys don't know how excited you should be. It's really, really helpful. <laughs> so the idea is that we're all born with a certain ability to handle stress. And I represent that with a bucket. And different things go in that bucket and different people have different size buckets. So some people have, you know, tiny little buckets, other people have bigger buckets. There are some things that can change the size of that over time. But for the most part, you kind of have this bandwidth and then different things go in that bucket. And for everyone, there are certain categories that are always going to be in there. Your genetic dispositions, your past, your environment, uh, your nutrition, what you're putting in your body the uh your relationships your financial stress your um your uh, insufficiencies are you getting enough fresh air sunlight physical touch spiritual nourishment whatever the things are that are most important to you and then you know people have some things that are will vary that aren't one of those classic categories and we literally go through category over category and identify all of the different stresses, the big ones, the little ones, the minutiae. It can even be the tiny thing like, you know, every time, you know, I keep getting all this dust under my couch because, you know, we're allergic to dust. We keep getting all this dust under the couch and we're not dealing with it, which actually is, I keep going, oh, I got to deal with that. Oh, I got to deal with that. It's a pretty easy thing to deal with for me, right? I have the resources to purchase a Roomba, you know, a Mm -hmm. cheap Roomba for used for 150 bucks or I have the resources to go get my vacuum and <laughs> once a week vacuum under the couch because <laughs> that's bothering me. So, yeah. you know, it's all of the, you know, enumerating all of the stresses and then looking at that literally in the context of what your values are and then deciding there are things in this bucket that are 
that I can't change, but you can change how you approach them, right? You could have had something happen in your past. It was difficult or challenging. You can't change that, but you can change how you interact with it. You can, you know, pray about it. You can go to counseling. You can decide you're not going to let it undo you, right? There's always Mm -hmm. things that we can do to change how we're approaching things. Love Um, that. Love that. You're speaking my language. (laughs) So, the, you know, the idea then is that we look at, all right, here's the accumulation of stress. And then some people will look at that and say, oh my gosh, now I'm even more overwhelmed. But really what we're doing is saying, here's where you can take control. Here's where you can decide, this is something I'm going to act on. And this is something I'm not going to act on because it's not important enough. And then yeah. you delegate it, you take it off your list, you deal with it later. You say, I'm going to choose, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose to continue eating a box of ding-dongs every night. You know, mm-hmm. I know it's not good for me, but it's not such a big deal that it's causing, you know, that it's a non-negotiable thing for me. But yeah. for someone else eating that box of ding-dongs, for instance, someone with diabetes or someone with a severe gluten sensitivity, that is something that really needs to go at the top yeah. of the list to yeah. decrease your overall load. Because ultimately what we're looking, you know, if your bucket's too full, it spills over. When it spills over, whatever your weak spot is that we talked about before is where you're going to get symptoms. We're looking to lower the overall load to leave room for the inevitable uh, stresses that life throws at us because life is never easy uh, no. long-term, right? There are always yeah. challenges. That's part of being human. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that you said, you, you've used the word bandwidth a few times, and that was really helpful for me. And I, I remember very clearly, I was having such a hard time um, when we first started working together virtually, because I've always really been a giver. And that's something that I value so deeply. Mm. But unfortunately, I, because of a lot of massive trauma and a lot of really large life transitions and the, the compound effect of all of those things, my bucket was completely overflowing. Or maybe my bucket was like obliterated, <laughs> like it didn't even exist, right? I just didn't have space for anything. And so what was happening is I was I was suffering from a very real crisis of, of, of confidence or even of identity. Because if I didn't give and I couldn't do those things that I most valued, then who was I? Mm. And I remember you talking to me about bandwidth and you telling me that how I felt in this moment wasn't how I was always going to feel. But I had to recognize that my bandwidth in this period of my life, as I was recovering from some really serious trauma, it was going to be different than it would be a month from now or two months from now. And allowing myself to rebuild that bandwidth guilt-free. And you went further and you talked about how important it was for me to recognize that if I kept trying to give the way that I was from the state of, of being that I was, from being in a state of complete overwhelm where I didn't have access to all my faculties, I wasn't really able to bless people the way that I was committed to. So I was actually living outside my values, not inside them, yeah. right? Right. And it was, it, it, that, was, that was really, really an important thing for me to hear. You know, around that same time, I remember too, you were, there was so much going on and you were so, you know, it was putting one foot in front of the other was so yeah. hard because there were mm-hmm. so many big, difficult things going on. Even, and, even know, just in terms like, yes, in ter- we just moved to Hawaii. I'm just going to give you guys a little context because I am an open book. Um, and I appreciate that Dr. Samantha is so sensitive and makes sure that she's, you know, not divulging too much. But to give you some context, we had just moved back to Hawaii and I was just having 
so many symptoms. And the move itself across an ocean is really significant. There's a lot that goes into it. I know moving no matter what is hard, but there is an added element of stress and um, an overwhelm that is inherent to making a move of that nature. And I had just lost my kids and there was just so many things that had compiled or compressed together. And I was just having all kinds of, I would say autoimmune type symptoms. Like I would get really itchy um, or I'd break out in hives randomly, or I would get very, very confused. Like I couldn't find words in very normal situations. Um, or I'd go to the grocery store and I just couldn't even, I couldn't even handle it. I could, I would look at these rows of these shelves full of food. And I just couldn't even remember why I was there. I couldn't, the, the peanut butter could be right in front of my face and I would, I would be convinced I was in the wrong aisle. Right. Yeah, I, I just want to interrupt here for a minute and just say that, you know, and it's not, that wasn't just the overwhelm at that time. You know, again, yeah. if you're, if you're yeah. saying I have full disclosure here, you know, oh, you were sure. severely anemic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. you were saying, you know, I just, I'm, you weren't taking your supplements because you were like, it's just <laughs> too much. I can't do it. You said, I don't have time. And I said, I will buy that you don't have time to cook you know, spend six hours on Sunday cooking. I will buy yeah. that you don't have time to, you know, I mean, you had so much going on, but you can't tell me you don't have 30 seconds to put a handful of pills in your mouth. You just can't. Yep, totally. And, yep, I, you know, I remember that. Yeah, very you posted on Instagram. It was, yeah. like, you know, but so, yeah. you know, it's, which is why I actually told the story. I'm so cautious about that, but. I know. I, it's good. It's <laughs> probably pretty important in most cases. It so, is. Way um, to go, doctor. Yeah. The, um, you know, but what I will say is that that, you know, being able to tend to that thing, that one thing and identify it as this is a non-negotiable right now, allowed mm -hmm. you then to feel better enough that you could yeah. take the tiny next baby step. You know, if you yep. try to, you know, when you are having something like severe anemia or you've just had a TIA or, you know, yeah. whatever the thing is, you can't, it's, it's, so often, especially with more holistic practitioners, they'll give you this laundry list of things you need to do. And sometimes you, it's totally unreasonable. What you need yeah, to do is the thing exactly. in front of you yeah. right now, the low hanging fruit, right? The yeah. thing that's going to make it so you have the bandwidth. And that's ultimately what this is about. I mean, ideally, we're making this, you know, consistent shifting baby steps to bigger steps, getting really yeah. clear, but that's an evolution. And one of mm -hmm. the reasons that so many self-help books, I think, in the end aren't helpful, right? Here's the solution to your problem, where yeah. really it's so individual. What do you need right now? How yeah. are you gonna identify what's most important right now? Who, you know, and that's about your values, who you wanna be, how you wanna feel. Yes, um, and yeah. you could take two individuals in the exact same set of circumstances and what they each need in order to find wellness again could be completely different. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why the personal that personalized approach is so incredibly important. And frankly, it's what's missing in a lot of people's um, lives in their healthcare. I think that's true. And you know, that's we talked a little bit before we hopped on here about how we really need to advocate, you know, for people being able to ask for what they need, I think in general in life, but in particular in healthcare, you know, so often we know there's something wrong, especially as women. I don't mean to put men on the back burner, but I will for yeah. a minute. You know, yeah. we say there's something wrong and what we hear back is you should go on antidepressants or you should go on the birth control pill. And not that there aren't legitimate places for those things, but yeah. I think so often that nobody's really looking at the whole picture. Well, yeah, of course you're down. You're only sleeping four hours a night. So, yeah. you know, either you go on medication or supplements in the interim while we get your sleep fixed, you know, or we get your sleep fixed or, you know, because 
it's so, you know, or depression, right? Depression is severe anemia can cause depression. And when you're dealing, you know, of course you had every reason to be really down yeah. at that time. Yeah. And when you're severely anemic, you can, you know, it's very hard to get yourself feeling better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. One of the things that I would really, really like for us to touch on is what kinds of things should, should people be paying attention to? in their own lives. Like I think we get on autopilot, right? And mm. we don't even necessarily notice that we don't feel well or we don't notice that we're not at optimum, you know? Or we just feel like, well, maybe it's just a part of like being older, or maybe right. it's just a part of having a lot of of plates spinning at once or being a mom or having had kids or you know, we give ourselves all these reasons. But what are some of the things that we should be paying attention to and that we could actually potentially resolve rather than just deciding to be okay with them or re resigning ourselves to them. Right. I think we we never need to be resigned, right? Because even if you that. do have some kind of health condition that is severe and an impediment and you can't get rid of, there are always things you can do to feel better. We always have some control, no matter what the situation is. And I think it's very easy to feel like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, so actually, I'm going to back up to your question, and then I'm going to tell you a little story. So what I would say is that and one of the another one of the exercises in the book is actually going through top to bottom your body and kind of rating on a scale of one to 10 what your symptoms are and how much it impedes you in your life. So for instance, if you have chronic headaches, you might believe, well, my doctor said there's nothing I can do about this. But when we look at the, you know, so I should just take this medication and in, you know, of course the medication can be helpful. I'm not slamming medications. I prescribe them as well in my practice, but the, the underlying problems haven't been looked at. And there are often, it's an accumulation of stresses that's leading to the symptom. So really any symptom at all is something that's telling you you're overwhelmed in one way or another and being really conscious and not trying to sweep it under the table. Now that doesn't mean we have to give in to our fatigue and never get off the couch, but it does mean there's always something that can be done to feel better and get figuring out how we're gonna get to that is the really important thing. And then being able to say, I, they're, they're being really conscious. There is a solution. There is a way around this. I need to think outside the box. I had a, so the story I was about to tell is I had a patient last week, I was seeing her for acupuncture. She got in a car accident and she's a musician and she was saying how she had a gig and she had to carry her stuff. And I said, why? You, you know, you didn't. She said, well, I did. We, you know, I was with students and they carried the bigger stuff, but I had to carry the little stuff. And I said, why? Why couldn't you have asked them to carry it? She's like, well, they're, the, you know, and, you know, there's reason after reason. I said, so I, I, I hear that, you know, and it really aggravated her symptoms severely. And I said, you could, for instance, invite a friend to come with you and carry it with you. Someone would be happy to help you, you know, which is the same thing, you know, you're, you can tell your five kids to make their own lunch as long as they're not seven. You can uh, decide that you are going to quit cable TV and get someone to come help you two hours a month to clean your house. You can, you know, and of course, there are always circumstances where, you know, people are born into a situation where they don't have access to education, or they don't have access to, you know, to, to resources, whatever that is, I don't mean to minimize that experience for some people. Course, but so of often, you know, we do have resources, but we're afraid to ask, we don't want to burden anyone, we feel we're not worthy 
of asking for help or getting help. Um, we feel like it's our job, but is it? You know, and someone may really feel like it is their job to make lunch for their five children every day, and that yeah. that's something that they want to do. Um, however, doing that at the expense you know, that's a small thing. Obviously it's other things cumulatively as well. Right. But yeah, let's say that it takes you an hour and a half every morning to make lunch for your five kids, which who would it do that? But you know, yeah, let's that say that's the absurd, case. But yeah, right? let's just pretend. <laughs> right, let's say you're cutting your, I mean, you know what? I'm sure there yeah. are moms who do oh, yeah. that, who like you know cut yep. everything into a shape. Right. And so yep. <laughs> saying this is what's most important to me. This is the choice I'm making. Is that more important than getting an extra half an hour of sleep? Is it more yeah. important than, you know, reading your scripture and walking on your treadmill? Is it more important than, right? And so getting yeah. really clear about what's most important so we can vet those things. And then yeah. as we see the thing that is out of balance, as we are being conscious of our emotions, as we're being conscious of our, you know, of our physical symptoms, say, this is limiting me. Where, you know, how, how, how can I get under that? What else is it that I can do to lower my overall load so I have more room to deal mm -hmm. with that thing? What can yeah. I say no to? How can I, um, you know, you're like me, Natalie. We both love to do so many things where, you know, we love, <laughs> you know, we love to write. We love to speak. Yeah. We love to do counseling and coaching. We love to, you know, be, you know, we want to, we're here to make a difference really clearly, yeah. right? That's what yeah. our jobs are, both you and I. And, and there are so many ways I can do that. But if I do them all, I can't help anybody. Exactly. Exactly. I, I really like the, what you were saying. I think the word you used was vetting. And one of the things that keeps coming up for me is just the idea of asking ourselves at what cost. Okay, yes, I can absolutely do this, but something else will have to give. And so is this the thing that I want to invest the energy in, even if it means that this other thing will suffer? And getting really clear about those tough decisions and making them with more awareness and intention. Right. And ultimately, when we have the true north words in front of you, which is what I have people do, you know, you can literally make your choice looking at that list. What yes, does this line up with what's yeah. most important to me? And I mean, I have people write it on sticky notes and put it in their wallet, you know, if you don't have them committed to, you know, yeah. committed to memory, but <clears throat> also learning how to say, uh, I need to, oh, you know, someone asked you to do something. Let me, I, I, I need to think about that. Uh, yeah. I'll get back to you. And then giving you time to really think about evaluate. it. To like evaluate. It. Yeah. yeah. You know, guys, I want you guys to know, for those of you who listened to Your Best Year Yet Part 2, I think it was Episode 3 of the podcast, how much does this remind you of what we talked about there? The idea of these values and putting them everywhere in our wallets, on our phones as reminders, on our computers, on our mirrors. And just so you know, Samantha and I did not talk about this in advance. We Neither of us had any idea that the other was teaching the same kind of concept. But man, that's it, it's pretty powerful, pretty powerful stuff, particularly when you see quite a few people coming up with the same type of, um, of system. And I think that's evidence that it works. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, or if you have, but you haven't gone through that exercise yet, this is just like a little reminder to maybe go back and take a look at that and, um, and actually implement the strategies um, and go through the practices that are that are offered in that episode. And then also in whatever Samantha shares with us in the show notes. And of course, all of this is also in her book, Overcoming Overwhelm, which is available on Amazon right now. It is. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. 
I couldn't, I couldn't say that enough times because first of all, I know how hard it is to write a book. Like, and it is like, I told you before, it's like giving birth to a baby with a square head. Like it is like <laughs> the hardest thing in the world, but I also got to watch you do it. And so I have an intimate, um, I got to see into that process for you and it's a real blood, sweat and tears thing. And I'm just so happy for you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. And mostly I'm just really happy for everybody out there because like you said, we need to figure out a way to amplify these voices so that they have, so that more people have access to this kinds of this kind of information because it is so revolutionary right. in their Ultimately. lives. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. and it's there's the other thing is I think that there are different seasons where you can get different things out of it, right? So yeah. looking at it, even I had someone who read an advanced copy of the book like a year ago and did all the exercises and then did it again. And she called me. She said every she said it, I saw so much. By you know implementing some of these changes and tactics and techniques, now that I'm doing it again, I see so much more, and I see it so differently, and I can engage in it in another way, which is again part of why you know someone looking at your work and my work and like really these synergistic circles yeah. of what you know in the term you always use is what you're blessed with, right? So yeah. you're able to bless people with the um, with the tools to do their own work, and you know I was just saying to my uh, one of my videographer this morning who was, he came over, I spoke at Powell's last weekend. Which is so awesome. If you it, guys don't know, Powell's is like a really big deal. It was a pretty uh, big especially deal. Especially in Portland in general, but I'm sorry, you got to let me like rave about you for a second. <laughs> it's not just a big deal in Portland. It's a big deal like in general in the United States. Like to have a signing at Powell's is unheard of. And wasn't, didn't you do reading as well? Yeah, so I did a. Uh, and I, wait a minute, I'm not done. Okay. I'm not done. <laughs> also, it was standing room only. There were more than 200 people there. Well, the probably not were. more than 200, but close to 200 people. Okay, they, but even they, so, in a little bookstore, that's yeah, a lot of human they, beings. It was a, it's a big bookstore, a little area. You know, it's on the third floor. It's a huge bookstore, actually. Um, but they have a certain, they have a little area on the third floor where they do their talks and they line up the chairs. They And they kept adding more chairs and adding more chairs. And they ran out of chairs and ah, they I ran out of books. It was amazing. I mean, that was a huge bucket list item for me. And which leads yeah. right into what I was about to say, which is that, you know, I was talking to my videographer and, you know, I said, it, it doesn't, although of course I would love this book to sell a lot of copies, even if only a hundred people have their lives changed from reading this book, it will have been worth all of the blood, sweat and tears because, you know, oh, I feel like this is my job. Like what I do here, I feel is, you know, it's your purpose. It's my yeah. purpose. And I'm so yeah, clear it. about that. It. And you know, being, having the opportunity, you know, I know it didn't just land in my lap. I don't want to say it like that either. I worked really hard to get there you and I'm trying really to be hard. able to take yeah. that in, you know, yeah. but to be able to publish, you know, publish with a big publisher that gets me a big distribution and to be able to talk at Powell's, be on the news yeah. and, yeah. you know, do all these amazing podcasts like yours, you know, yeah. everyone who even, you know, and not everyone even buys a book and goes through all the exercises. They just read something and they go, oh, you can't fail at self-care oh, my values are most important. Oh, I get to say no. You know, whatever yeah. that thing is that they're able to take away yeah. that makes a difference is worth every minute of hardship. And let me tell you, there are a lot of times during this process that we're not, as you well know, that we're not easy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, is, it is the most impossible thing, and yet somehow people do it, and you <laughs> did it. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so, so proud Thanks, of you. Thanks, Mama. 
Um, well, along the lines though of all this, like it's easy for us to look at this and for people hearing this to think like, oh my gosh, like, you know, she's done this great thing and look at all the success she's having. And like you said, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Talk to me, not just necessarily about the book, but in general, like what kinds of roadblocks do you reach or have you hit in your own life or in the specific process of writing the book? Like, and how do you specifically overcome them? That's a great question, and and it really varies. I'll I'll tell a story that uh, that is particularly exemplary. I mean, I will say first of all, right before uh, right before I went out, was about to go out with a book proposal. My dad died, and oh, yeah. then right on the tail of that, I had you know a couple events to speak at, including yours, <laughs> yeah, um, within yeah. two weeks of after my you know after my dad died, and I came home, and then rewriting the proposal, and then pitching it to publishers. And I mean, it was just this crazy long path. And I had a number of very big, very difficult things go on. And I had to get really brutal about walking my own talk. And I felt like I had really, you know, it's a constant process for me of, of for everyone, right, of what's most important right now, how do you know, how do I make sure not to take on too much. And I have a, you know, my brick and mortar practice, I see, you know, 30 to 40 patients a week. And then I have my online clients and then my writing and my speaking. And I also have a 12 year old and a husband at home. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's many things. And this last fall, as I was getting ready for launch, and when you're getting ready to launch a book, there are a lot of moving pieces, working with the PR teams and the interviews and, you know, trying to keep track of all of that at the same time that I was still keeping everything else going. I I really pared down on everything that I needed to do. And I went on a vacation with a good friend. I took two weeks and really, you know, I worked a little bit, but I, I took, you know, I took some time for myself and I came home and the next day I, uh, or maybe the day, yeah, the day after I came home, I walked into the kitchen and my 12 year old was standing there and he looked at me and he goes, he points at one of our kitchen cabinets. He goes, don't open that door. And I said, <laughs> jokingly, and by the way, never respond to that uh, statement with a joke. What is something alive in there? And it turned oh, out that- no, I forgot about this. Yeah, so we had rats in our house. Ah! It's apparently in Southeast Portland where I live, it's super, super common. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, so I, you know, we had the resources to do this. And so thanks to my mom and we actually moved into an Airbnb while we were oh. dealing with the rat thing for three weeks, which, you know, we're kind of going back and forth, getting our stuff from the house and being at the Airbnb and trying to continue to work and doing the interviews. And, you know, my kid, um, you know, my kid was supposed to go away for a week with his school and that got canceled for a weird reason. I won't even get into that, but and then we finally moved back home and the the next day i where where i live we have a we have a stone wall outside the house and we were about 3 blocks from a local high school and apparently this stone wall right outside the window of my home office is where all the kids were coming at lunch to smoke pot <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> and so like first of all my house smells terrible but they would play music and they're talking and we oh. kept trying everything to get them to leave and like we put up signs and a fake camera and Finally, I decided, well, there's all these bushes wait, wait, there. And a fake camera. I love it. Yeah, this, like this, this like plastic camera with a battery that makes a fake blinking light and like a sign saying, it. you're being watched. And so I decided there were a bunch of bushes there. I should cut them down. So I get yeah. these loppers out of the garage and I'm lopping and lopping and lopping and lopping and lopping and lopping and lopping. And I walk in the house and I went to pour my cup of tea. And I couldn't even hold the tea. My hand was shaking so much from overlapping, which who knew that was a thing. <laughs> and so I, um, 
you know, the next day I was, my back was sore and I thought, all right, that's legit. And then the next day it was even more sore. I'm like, huh, all right, I really must've overdone it. I'll get to the chiropractor. And then I started feeling like my bra was chafing me a little and I've you know, gained a little weight through this process because I'm not working out as much. And I'm like, yeah, but probably not my, my bra doesn't fit anymore. And so I go in the bathroom and I look and I don't see anything. And then a couple hours later I looked and I went, oh, I'm getting shingles. I, I, I don't have words for this. <laughs> I hate this so much. And it was a terrible case of shingles. It wasn't a mild case of shingles. It was a case of shingles that I had to cancel a trip to go to the East Coast to help my mom. I literally couldn't get out of bed for 10 days because if just walking hurt, it was very bad. And I went- And this was right in the middle of all of this crunch for this book. Yeah, it was like, literally in December. I mean, it was two weeks before the book was, three weeks before the book was launching. Yeah. It was awful. And- yeah. um you know, so many things I didn't get to do. And, you yeah. know, so what I really, you know, and I had all this shame about it because I felt like, oh, here's this health condition that's driven by stress. And I'm writing this book about stress and I don't want anyone to know and, you know, kind of got into this place. And then I went, you know what, you know, and then I started going back through the exercises again. I said, I missed something here. I'm brutal about what I take on. My bucket isn't full. You know, what, what am I missing here? And I went back through the exercises again and I dug deep and I went, oh, what I missed was that I, what I missed was the, not the amount of time it was going to take to do all the things, not the number of commitments or not organizing my to-do list. What I missed was the emotional toll of asking people for help. Because, oh my goodness. Yeah. You haven't shared that with me. That's yes. really, that's profound. And of course, now I'm hearing it and I'm like, oh, of course. Yeah. It's but, so wow. hard for me to do that. And I mean, still even talking about it gets me emotional. And so I went, no, I didn't fail at dealing with my stress. What I did was I didn't account for this piece that was buried. And I didn't yeah. account for how hard that would be. And um, then I went, okay, I need to switch gears again. I made an appointment with a counselor. I yeah. made, you know, I, I put some other things in place. I started talking about it and not feeling ashamed and saying, this yeah. is you know, this isn't, this isn't failing at self-care. This isn't not walking my talk. This is walking my talk because exactly. it's about acknowledging that sometimes we misfire. Sometimes we need to recalibrate. Sometimes we need to come up with another approach. And sometimes we need to dig deep and say, you know, my friends want to help me. I just, yeah. and, and if I ask and they don't, that's okay. And yeah. um, it's still, I mean, I'm still struggling with that, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's not, you know, I've owed you an email for weeks about, oh, can you share that, you know, like yeah, about sharing some stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. and everyone really, you know, it's, I need to trust more. And so that's, you know, that's, that's what I get to work on now. And so what I've done is I've really succeeded in identifying a place where I need to do some work. And that's yes. a really good, that's a great thing. And that's what I hope people are taking away from this, that even this quote unquote expert on these things who walks other people through this every single day and has dedicated her life to the study of these things and to figuring out ways to really support people in actionable ways that they can that they can manage these things for themselves, even that person is going to have times and seasons where it's tricky and where they have to go back to the drawing board and where they have to dig deep again. Okay. The idea of overcoming overwhelm in my mind, and, and please interject if there's anything you'd like to add in this regard, but it's a lot of it is a willingness to just keep looking and to recognize, like you said earlier, that baby steps are still steps, yep. right? That all of this, that, that it's not a place we arrive 
we're not going to arrive at this place ever where suddenly there's we're not overwhelmed and our systems are just fine and everything's great. It's a constant process of evaluating and reevaluating and and giving ourselves grace through that entire process. Absolutely. Would you agree? You okay. know, the other piece of that I'll say is it it also doesn't have to be hard. I think sometimes we get in our heads that personal growth or spiritual growth has to be hard, that we have to suffer. Mm. And like, I personally believe that we don't necessarily, that's not necessary. I mean, you can, if you want to, if that's your approach and what yeah. you feel is the yeah. right thing to do, but that you can, you know, as soon as I said, oh, I I can be gentle with myself. Like I, I want people to be kind with themselves and loving with themselves and to know you can't fail, that this is a process and that you're always going to be recalibrating and moving toward this ideal of what you want your life to look like. But every choice you make that's lined up, every time you say no when you want to say no, every time you do something that lines up with your own values, you're that much closer to have your life really looking like what yeah. you want it to look like which and gosh, is, how empowering. Yeah. yeah how empowering. empowering. Yeah. To suddenly realize that the storm can be raging all around you, and yet still you're empowered to stay on path, to stay right. on course. And yeah, you may still get hit with some waves. <laughs> it may be a wet and soggy ride, <laughs> but you're still pointed in the right direction. Right. And that right? also means, you know, it also means that you don't necessarily, you know, you you don't necessarily, or I wouldn't even say it like that you necessarily need to still feel your feelings about it, right? Yes, I think sometimes yes. also in this kind of world of personal growth, we're told, mm -hmm. yeah, you just have to see the bright side and be positive and yeah. be optimistic. You know, yeah. And it's okay. To, of course you want to have that, but also, but comma, I should say, and yeah. we have to feel you know, we have to let ourselves feel sad. We have to let ourselves grieve. We have to let ourselves yeah. be angry. You know, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, throw a shoe at your kid, which I might, yeah. <laughs> I might or might not have done. No, I threw it at the door, not my kid <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago. And I was really frustrated. And I walked out and I said, wow, that was really unreasonable. I didn't need to throw my shoe. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. But it was okay to feel angry. It was okay to feel angry. Yeah. You know, and yeah. to, okay, to make a mis you know, to say, well, you shouldn't throw things when you're angry. If you're, you go punch a pillow instead or, yeah. you know, find some other, go dance um, yeah. or, you know, whatever thing that is, go lift weights, whatever it is that you need to do to, you know, blow off some steam. Or I could have gone mm -hmm. in my room and thrown a shoe at my own wall and not thrown a shoe in front of my husband and my kid. Yeah. Which, but know. the cool thing about this is, and I was interviewed on a podcast, I just kept, the whole time you were telling that story, I kept thinking, why is what I'm thinking right now? Why do I feel like I already shared this on this podcast? And I didn't. It was an interview on another podcast. Um, but the idea that we were talking about was how these things happen, and often we feel inclined to beat ourselves up about it. Like you said, like, why I should have done this in my room or not at all. Or, But the cool thing about it, and I know you well enough to know what happened next, I know that you went to your little dude whose name I won't say. I keep wanting to say his name, but I'm not saying it. It's really hard for me. But going to him, I, I see my privacy thing because I have no boundaries. Right. I like have to, be, I have to really <laughs> ring myself in. But I know that you went to him and said, man, I'm really sorry. I behaved badly. I was very angry, but that does not excuse the way that I manage that anger. Right. And I think that one of the things that I really, really work on in my own life and that I want for others to, to give themselves that same grace and to work in the same space because it's so meaningful is never undervaluing how, how important those opportunities for those kinds of discussions and admissions are. Yes. Especially with our kids. Exactly, because right. they realize like, oh, they make mistakes. They're, they're, they're grownups, but they're still human. Right. And then, I mean, if nothing else, what I hope for my own children is that when they're grownups and they make mistakes, there's less shame 
right. that they're going to carry around for them because they know, oh, being an adult doesn't mean that you're perfect, doesn't mean that you never mess up. Right. Right. And if I ever do, I'm allowed to just go say I'm sorry. Right. And, and it's we fine. will necessarily mess up and we will necessarily get an argument yes. with our spouses and we will necessarily, you know, make choices that aren't in alignment with our values. That too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, um, the other day on uh, Martin Luther King Day, my uh, my husband's office was going to do some volunteer work and my son was, you know, he was going with him and he got fussy about it. He would rather do it. And I said, you know what? Yeah. You need to go. And I think afterwards that you will feel like that was the right, that is the right thing to have done. And afterwards he yeah. came up to me and said, I'm so glad that we had that conversation. And I, it really was great. And I would like to do that again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I, but I let him, I didn't say to him when he was first, you know, uh, complaining about it, oh, this is so important. You should, you know, you're not, you really mm -hmm. need to take care of other people and you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're so selfish. And I didn't say any of that. I said, yeah. I know it's really hard when you have a day off of school and you would rather go play with your friend than spend time working. And this is important. And I think you'll see why. Right. Yeah. And to right. be able to have those conversations in a way that we were not shaming our kids and making them feel badly for having their emotions like, oh, well, yeah. this is don't be don't be silly. You don't need to be mad over that. Or, you know, I mean, and my kid will always also, say to me, go know, ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's OK to be sad, mommy. You know, and he's like, mm -hmm. you know, can, can let me hold your hand. You know, I had a terrible oh, day nice. yesterday and he's like, you know, insisted on holding my head at the dinner table. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, and then he's I went, yeah, he is offering me love and kindness. Yeah. Well, and I, I think also what's happening in these interactions is we are taking into account the way that the, the way that our conversations with our children and the way that we speak to them contributes to their own overwhelm mm. and teaches them to manage their own overwhelm right, right. Um, because we're modeling ultimately that's what it's all about right it's right. modeling for them we can't no matter what we tell them it's going to go in one ear and out the right. other we but have to take care of ourselves so they learn to take care of themselves we need yeah. to learn to say no so they can see it's okay to say no you exactly. know if we're constantly sacrificing in a way that our kids think that that's the norm like is that yeah. what we want is that what we want for them ultimately and um, as we have like you said with the conversation about about trying to get him to go and do this service project in that conversation you weren't, you didn't have to say because I said so. Right. And you still got the same result. And you also taught him how to manage a situation that could potentially be hard with, right. from a space of curiosity. You know, I predict, I don't know for sure, but I predict that you're going to go and you're going to be really glad you went. Right. And that's a real skill for him. Right. As he moves forward in his life to manage his own propensity towards overwhelm. It right. just, it's all, it all loops together and it's just so, so vitally important. And he also knows that if he came home and said, actually, I'm not glad I did that, that would be okay too. Yeah. And you could have a conversation about that, right. you know? Yeah. It's like also sometimes so our values are, you know, if we have a value for making a difference and being kind, sometimes that's going to do something, it's going to be something we don't want to do and that's okay. Yeah. But when we start yeah. doing, you know, it's when that accumulates in a way that we're not able to take care of ourselves, then that's problematic. Uh, you know, that brings something else to mind too, which is that, you know, every personality trait that we have, every desire we have, there's a flip side of it, right? You're, you have a gift for helping other people. And yet it also is something that ends up if exploited to harm you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've sure experienced that <laughs> as have you, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, there's one more thing because our time is starting to, to dwindle here and I could talk to you for a hundred years. Um, 
But there was an excerpt from your book that I asked you to read. And I would really, I know it's a little bit of a pivot um, from what we've been talking about specifically, but I would really, really love for listeners to to be able to hear that specific. Great. Um, Thank you. Um, so I'm going to actually, I'll quickly set it up, which is that I have a yeah, section please. in the book called Things You Choose Not to Change. And the idea is that just because you can change things doesn't mean you will choose them or that that's even the right thing to do. And then, so this story illustrates that concept crossing over with the idea that it's important to, if we have certain values of our own, to not take kind of societal values or our doctor's values or someone else's values and put them on ourselves, that we really need to know what's most important to us. At 36, Melissa came to my office after a disheartening experience with her primary care doctor. She'd gone to see him for knee pain the week before, and after taking her vital signs and putting her on the scale, instead of giving her practical help for her pain, he spent about 15 minutes shaming her for her weight. He ignored the fact that she'd hurt her knee deadlifting. He just focused on her weight, telling her that she needed to lose 70 pounds as quickly as possible, as this was the cause of her problem. He never even touched her knee. She told me that over the past 10 years, she'd been on a merry-go-round of dieting, losing weight, getting off track, and gaining the weight back again. She said, I'm fat, it's not healthy, and I'm ready to lose weight. I looked through her intake forums. I asked her a slew of questions. I reviewed her lab test results from the last three years. She had no health issues other than some fatigue and knee pain, and I felt confident neither of those issues were related to her weight. I looked her in the eye and I said, you're not fat. You have fat, and you're perfectly healthy. She burst into tears. I suggested that she put her weight in the choose not to change category and focus instead on eating more healthfully to improve her energy and decrease her inflammation. We also treated her knee with anti-inflammatory herbs and acupuncture. After a few months, she felt great. You might expect me to add, and she lost 30 pounds just for making the diet changes. But she didn't, and that's just fine. To be truly healthy, she didn't need to lose weight. She needed to offload her futile struggle with dieting and her feelings of shame and powerlessness. She remains healthy, eating well, and exercising to this day. I just love that so much for so many reasons. Um, the most, the most important to me, is that paradigm shift um, that she was able to experience, and suddenly having permission to to shift the way that she was interacting with her values because someone who's deadlifting they already care about their health mm -hmm. clearly clearly and the focus doesn't need to inherently be on weight just because that's a cultural conditioning right yep and so for her to realize she could still focus on her health and not have it be all about her weight that is, that's game-changing for that sweet woman. Yes, it was game-changing for her. And honestly, I see that with many of my patients. I have so oh, many. Yes. You know, and I don't want to shame people for wanting to lose weight either. Right? Oh, I mean, course. I think that's of absolutely, course. you get to choose what how you want to be in your own body. But ultimately, so much of that is driven by a culture that has an expectation of women looking a certain way. And even if, absolutely. you know, even if the people around you aren't like that, it's in every magazine, on every TV show, on every you know, and, you know, on every meme and if you drink green juice, you'll lose 10 pounds or, you know, do this thing or do yeah. that thing. And again, it's not, you know, there are many cases where losing weight is a healthier choice, but ultimately if we focus on the, you know, if we're doing it because of this expectation and we have, you know, you and I were talking about these voices in your head, these like shame voices yeah. where we're judging ourselves and, you know, these terrible ways that we speak to ourselves that we would never speak to anyone else in our lives yeah. that, you know, of ultimately course. that that, 
that's what causes overwhelm into so much more mm-hmm. harm than good. And, you know, I'm not saying go because ahead it's and a constant psychological stress, right? Even <sighs> if we're not thinking about it in the forefront of our mind, that that narrative is playing and playing and playing in our subconscious and causing so much psychological stress, which leads to massive amounts of overwhelm. Right. And so and even more conditions, right. right? That we wouldn't otherwise experience. Exactly. And then, you know, and then we set ourselves up for this you know, general, when we feel like, then we feel like we failed. And now we feel like we're even less worthy. And ultimately we're all so worthy. We're worthy of feeling good. We're worthy of making good choices. We're worthy of feeding our body healthy food. And one of the things that I often see in kind of the, I'll call it the anti-diet world, which is totally Mm -hmm. legit, but is it, you know, just be moderate, eat whatever you want. And, and, you know, that's not necessarily the answer either, right? Like, no, you don't want to shit. Especially not for somebody like me. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, for most of us, honestly, I think that the, so, uh, you know, I, I don't want people to feel like they need to restrict their food or that they need to, you know, be on a diet ever, but there are certainly everyone's body is different what it needs. And, you know, most often that's not a box ding dong. Boxer day dogs. And, you know, I don't want people to shame themselves for that, but I also want to help teach people that, you know, eating a healthy whole foods diet, the way food comes out of the earth is what our bodies need. And that, you know, we don't need to feel badly about it, but when we're, you know, about our choices, if we don't do that, but when we're eating healthy whole foods, lots of protein, avoiding sugar and junk food and moving our bodies, your weight's going to be most often where it needs to be because your body, you know, and that may not be where you want it based on what our society says. It may not even be where you want it if you hadn't gone on 27,000 diets in the last 30 years. But ultimately, when we're kind to ourselves, when we're kind to ourselves with our words, when we're kind to ourselves with what we put in our bodies, when we're kind to ourselves by not doing too many things and overwhelming our systems and taking on more than we can reasonably take on, when we're kind to ourselves by acting on our own values and living our true north, that's ultimately Mm -hmm. what, what allow, you know, what allows us to feel good in our lives on a day-to-day basis, whatever our values are. Amen. And the thing that I would add to that for all of our listeners out there is that you are worthy of that kind of love and care. You're worthy of that kindness. You're worthy of being prioritized in that way. And I know that that may go counter to a lot of what you've absorbed from the culture in which each of us has been raised. And there's a lot of variance there, but there is there is a common theme for all of us that has not backed up that reality of our worthiness. And so here I am right now telling you again, as if I'm grabbing you by the shoulders and looking you in the eyes, you are worthy of that. And I know that Samantha echoes that same message. If there's what, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, you are worthy. Be kind to yourself. You deserve it. You deserve it, period. You deserve it, period. Every one of us. Every one of us. Oh, Samantha, I just love you. Thank you so much for being here. This was just such a wonderful conversation. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now that I will twist this woman's arm every which way to get her back um, on this podcast in the future. I would love to give you guys an opportunity potentially to to ask her questions and to get her take on certain on certain things that you may be struggling with or have questions about. And so Great. I'm putting people her are, on the spot. Yeah, people are also, I mean, I'd be happy to come back, as you know, anytime. But people can also reach out to me directly yes. on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, at Dr. Samantha ND, at Dr. Samantha ND, or on my website. I have a contact form. That's drsamantha.com. We'll put those in the show notes. But I really, Absolutely. really welcome interaction with people because that's what I'm here for. 
Yeah. Yeah. She definitely walks her talk. And a huge part of that talk is um, her expression of her desire to actually help people. And she does a really good job of making herself as accessible as she can. Um, so that's something I really respect about her and love so much. And again, thank you. I love you. I, I, I don't want to end. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking we'll like, take it up later. What thank you for having about? me too. I love you also. And this was really you. a great conversation. I'm super, super honored to be here. And um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, isn't Dr. Samantha just amazing? Can't you see why I just like adopted her and brought her into my family? She is just such a fantastic human being. Um, it's not just what she teaches. It's not just her medical expertise, but it is the depth of her soul that really, really, I think, sets her apart as an expert in her field and as a physician. Um, she's just she's just so great, and I thank you so much for being here during this interview. Samantha has a little gift for you. If you go to her Instagram feed, at Dr. Samantha ND, as in naturopathic doctor, Dr. Samantha ND, on Instagram, and you leave a comment on her most recent post. That is the post that announces her interview with me on this podcast. You won't be able to miss it. If you leave a comment there sharing something that you loved about this interview or asking her a question about the way that overwhelm shows up in your life, you will be entered to win one of two copies of her new book, Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. And I promise you, one and all, you want a copy of this book. It is wonderful and has really, really blessed my life in so many ways. Again and again, thank you all so much for being here. Until next week, keep doing your best. Keep showing up in your life. I love you. I believe in you. Make it a great day. You make me feel like I can. I'm Natalie Norton, when and you, you have been listening to the Show Up Podcast. I know you. You understand me, babe. Until next time, my beautiful my friend, friend, keep showing up, keep that heart wide open. And as always, I'll remember, always your best is always enough. Oh.